kid was at, on a zip line at one of those like Jimboree things. Yeah. And the kid fell. Fucking A. Hit his head. Awesome. Went into a coma. Oh, fuck. Shit went wrong. The kid died. Oh, that's seven not years good. Old. Okay, that's like, rough. That's terrible, right? Like, that's no, see, fucking I'm like, horrible. I'm like, I'm like, all right, he fell. He yeah. But like, oh, God, he's, oh, but he's fine, this, this right? This like, dark, yeah. This is Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. is not responsible for triggering your PTSD because we are warning you right now that we might. If coarse language or base stupidity from two white guys is not your jam, look elsewhere for your workout podcast. So, all right, did you get the the alert from the presidential alert? I did. Thing? I did. Are you still angry about it? Have you come down? I wasn't angry about it to begin with. Oh, really? Me either. Because what's the big fucking deal? This is the thing. It was simply... It's 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 like the what is it the emergency alert? Eep, that's all it is. Eep, eep, that's yeah, all it was. All, it's the amber alerts. It's and, the and, and if anybody bothered the, the, the extreme weather alert, it's yeah. we. This shit exists, and everyone's like, yeah. "Oh, how dare you invade my privacy and hack my phone?" If on. anybody had what taken the? five minutes to actually read about it, they yeah. would have understood that this was an initiative that was put into place like ten fucking years ago. Oh, and longer just, than that, or whatever it was, yeah. and it's long before Trump came around. Yeah, and it's and it's it's just a way. If it had been a Barack Obama president presidential thing we'd all gotten boners and jerked ourselves right, right then and there when so I asked like, Katie about down. it because I because I, I thought that the reason that people are pissed is because it's Trump <laughs> and it says presidential yeah. alert whatever and it's Trump and, and he's our president don't like, and they hate that they don't like President Trump so anything presidential well, there's now, plenty of people that like President well, Trump well the, the people that are were pissed about it yeah which were mostly from what I could tell according to my Facebook feed white women yes white women and I get there. it I get it and if I, look I don't like Trump either but I wasn't pissed about it because it's not him. This is not his new way oh. of, you know, this is not his new Twitter that he's going to send us presidential no, alerts not. like, this is Kavanaugh's a great guy, win, you know, whatever the fuck he's going to say. It, it, for him to send anything out, it needs to go through like four different channels. Well, and it's not even this is not like he suddenly invaded our Twitter. It's, it's it just, has it, very it's, little. It's, it's him just doing more do branding shit. That's all it is. It, yeah, has, it has nothing, has nothing to do, to with, do him. with him. It's it, it, it's actually a very good thing because we don't watch TV anymore. Right. And cable doesn't have an emergency broadcast initiative. And we're not listening to radio anymore. There's and we're no, not listening you know, to radio like we used to. What do we do? We text. We have phones on us. So we're if listening everybody's to our got podcasts. The phones, we're listening. We're watching yeah, our videos. And, and that's yeah. the thing. So this is a very smart idea, actually. It just drove me fucking how pissed people were. Like, do you know what you're even mad about? You well, don't know. Well, that's the thing is, it's we are now in this is in this incohate rage mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, we've we've hit the point. We have actually fully hit the point where um, I believe most people uh, on both the far left and the far right believe that the ends justifies the means. Yeah, and we've all become Donald Trump. We've all become Donald Trump. I yeah. mean, I mean, I you know this. We're all Donald Trump. It's like, okay, so we can't get our way by being persuasive or interesting. We can't change policy by being persistent or tenacious. So what we're going to do is we're just going to insult the people we don't like. I don't like even know that we're trying to be persuasive over. or persistent. Well, we stopped. We yeah. stopped being persuasive. It's Now it's just like, you don't agree with me. Fuck you, yeah. Trump and Stein, Hitler, Nazi, fuck face, libtard, Obama suck, Kenyan. 
That's all it is. That's all it is. And it's just really sad. I'm a suck Kenyan. Well, I mean, it's like it's like we were talking earlier. It's 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 SNL is the same thing. It's lazy. It's not comedy. Well, I mean, it's comedy in in the most bare sense that Donald Trump is comedic. Because you didn't like the last week's the Matt Damon Kavanaugh thing, the cold open. I did, I haven't liked the cold open since they started doing Let's Make Fun of Trump, and not because I like Trump, because I don't care for Trump at all. Yeah. However, I expect from Saturday Night Live that these people get paid money to write funny things for them to dig a little deeper than let's just get up and do exactly what we already know about these people and make it a little bit exaggerated. That's like the Groundlings, and the Groundlings was never really all that funny. Yeah. That's like that's like the basest comedy sports bits, <laughs> you know, where it's just like, oh, I'm going to do the broadest caricature of this person I don't like as a way to sort of poke at them, and that's just not that funny. See, I laughed at the cold open. I didn't. I Because I, I mean, but you're right. I think that it was... It's funny because it's like, oh, here's this insane thing and okay, fine. Um, and I think that Trump's America has challenged comedy because you can't take it to the absurd level because it's all, the reality is the absurdity. You know, so they're just left to go, this is what it is. We're just going to redo but that's it. Such a, that's such a dodge. That's such a cop out. That's, I mean, I get it. And I agree with you. And I've heard that comment made before. Yeah. Um but it's a cop-out. It's saying, oh, Trump is so ridiculous. How do we make fun of him? Well, you know what? You don't make fun of him. You create it. Ultimately, the best comedians, Bill Hicks, um, George Carlin, Richard Pryor. I mean, the best comedians that you can think of when they did political humor, uh, Dick Gregory, for that matter, mm -hmm. it, it, it's, it's here's what we see and we know. And if you're not going to tell me something I don't already know, mm -hmm. then you have no business being up on a stage. So you have to find a back door to that thing I already know and change my perception of either myself or that thing that I already know so I know more about it. I think what would have been good is if they had <coughs> done it where it's Kavanaugh just finished his his hearing. And he walks back into, you know, whatever room. He's like, oh, my God, that destroyed my life. and um, I need a drink. And then he walks in and he does a keg stand. You know, and then there's yeah. fucking Tobin with his workout bench, and Tobin's dad is there to coach him along. Like, show us what happens afterwards. Show us what we didn't see. Or if they really, if and they the absurdity of what Kavanaugh may have done because he's a, a drunk who wants to work out. Or, or if SNL really wants to play some meta, have a bunch of 15 year olds dressed up in the 80s watching Saturday Night Live and then turning it over to Animal House. Yeah. And go, you know, I mean, Say something that we haven't already thought of by sitting and watching it on television and watching Matt Damon just do uh, an exaggerated performance. And, and I like Matt Damon. You know, I mean, his performance. And I thought he was great. Yeah, but yeah. that didn't tell me anything I didn't already know from watching it. Right. It didn't. It's the same thing with Alec Baldwin's fucking Trump. He's not doing anything that I don't already know. It's just brought up another That I haven't of... probably already thought thought of and yeah. so it's not the laughter of surprising me into thinking seeing something new or thinking wow that I hadn't thought of that idea it, it, it what it is is just telling me that what I think is right and I should laugh because I'm right yeah and yeah, that's, that's and that's point. and that's just that's lazy comedy I had to write a piece for um, I write a column for Texas Citizen which is a, a weekly alt rag in New Braunfels Texas there you go um, buddy of mine who I did Second City with years ago in Vegas, he's out there now and he's the editor and he's got me writing columns for him. 
So I wrote a piece about Kavanaugh because he's like, hey, why don't you just do a thing on just shit all over Kavanaugh? I'm like, ah, fuck it, fine. And I was running late. I was behind on the deadline, so I banged something out. And I was trying really hard to say something that hadn't been said before. It's hard. It's really hard. especially when comedy isn't easy. Right. So what I did is I just, I positioned it as, and I said that Kavanaugh is a less attractive version of uh, every 80s movie bad guy. Yeah, and it's true. Like, that's what he is. So we were talking about this earlier, and you, what did you say that have, like, one of those actors who yeah, from Revenge of the Nerds or the guy yeah, from Better Off Dead. Ted McGinley or who? No, it's not. That's he's. I don't know what I'm. But there's a there's this blonde guy that's in uh, Better Off Dead who's the ski captain. Yeah. He's the bully. Have Kim. He's still alive. Have Kim play Kavanaugh. <laughs> he probably needs the work. Have the guy that that just did the Karate Kid thing. Yeah. Have Johnny. Johnny. Yeah. Have him come in. Put a wig on him and have him be Kavanaugh. And then you don't actually have to say much. He doesn't have to do anything. He just has to sit there. And then you, maybe maybe then he goes into a Karate Kid rant. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. You It makes a point that is that is not as... Uh, it basically is, if your comedy is, you saw A, so we're going to do A! Yeah. Or you saw A, but we're going to do B. And if you're really good at this... We're going to go to C that takes you back to A, and you're not even going to know where we're going until we get there. And then yeah. you're going to laugh because, oh, my God, I just took you on a short journey. Again, Bill Hicks, uh, George Carlin. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, you know, I think Bill Burr does that. Yeah. He takes you in a direction. He starts someplace that you think he's going, and then he goes in a completely different direction, and it ends up with a point that you think is, oh, my God, I had never thought of that. That's hysterical. Somehow we've gone from, because hate means anything I do. Hate means it's just one step from hate to he's evil. And if he's evil, there's only one thing to do about evil. Yeah, I don't think he's evil. Destroy I think he's too, I think he's too stupid to be evil. Well, but that, I think Dick Cheney is evil. No, I don't think Dick Cheney's evil. I just don't think, I think Dick Cheney lost his ability to empathize with any human creature beyond the sandpaper heart that he has um, long before. I think before. that's what... what Informs or or, or uh, feeds evil is an inability. To so I don't believe there evil. is such a thing as evil. So I guess that's my issue. Come on, really? No, I don't think there's anything's evil. I don't think it's I'm going to regret saying this, but oh. uh, God damn it! Was Hitler evil? Mm-mm. Was Himmler evil? No. Was Eichmann evil? No. What they did was evil. What they did was horrifying. What they did was awful. But the concept that evil exists, evil, and this is just, and this is just a, it's not a political, it's a spiritual stance, I guess, if I have a spiritual stance, is that to assign evil to human beings are like serial killers evil? No, they're broken. That's not the same thing. Is a dog, that's the thing, is, is a feral dog with rabies that will bite your fucking like bite you till you die is that an evil dog or is that a sick dog but dogs you can't compare dogs and humans because dogs act on instinct even though they're even though they're smart they can make choices between you know the the green tennis ball and the squishy you know uh uh you know hedgehog i just don't think there's anything such as evil i think people are i think people are but they act on instinct that's so humans humans have the ability to reason yeah but most of us don't use that ability and that's not just the evil, I did that in quotes, people, but all people. 
based on it. You're telling me that the call-out culture, culture has thought is thought out and rational? No, I don't think that the call-out no. culture is thought out and rational. Well, then it must be evil. And if it's evil, then those people need to be exorcised because the demon inside of them, that's bullshit. It's all bullshit. They're not evil. Everybody that's doing the thing, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Everybody thinks they're doing the right thing. Yeah, even the bad guys think they're doing the even right the thing. Even the bad guys. Yes. So the question becomes, how do you deal with that? And this is my problem with just the simplicity, because it is. It's a very simple argument. Oh, they're evil. Racist. It's a write-off, yeah. Racist bigots, they're evil. And what that means is we don't actually have to do anything but destroy them. And that's easy. Destruction is easy. Figuring it's, out how no, to make it work. Apparently it's not. No, destruction is very easy. You just get a fucking AK-47. You go to a children's hospital and start opening up fire. You go to Vegas and you start killing people. Because that's what people who see evil do. So do you think that those those mass shooters, like that fucker from Vegas whose name yeah. I can't even remember, yeah. um, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, because there's the argument that, you know, to not, to not remember what his name was because of all the destruction and the, the hurt that he caused mm-hmm. is almost like, well, what, what, what was it worth, right? Or it's like, don't give him the, the credit and all this other shit. You know, mm-hmm. that's what they say. Like, don't, don't use his name. Don't show mm-hmm. his picture. Don't blah, all sure. that crap. Sure. And I don't know what's right or wrong. I don't, I don't really fucking care. The fact is, this bad thing happened. Let's fix it and try and prevent something like this from happening again. Okay, mm-hmm. fine. Um, but do you think that that, that guy was evil? No. What do you think? No he more was? evil than Obama is. Because Obama killed more fucking civilians than that guy did. Yeah. People he didn't know and yeah. didn't see. And so and no more I mean, at than, least this guy saw the people and no in more no sights, more than you know? my grandfather in World War II was who killed countless Nazis. Confirmed? Yeah. Huh? You know, I mean, no more than anybody well, else. That's a that, hero. Here's Don, the, that's a hero. But see, that's the thing. Yeah. Killing is not any more evil than it is. It's it's just a part of who we are. This is one of the things that is as simple and as truthful about human biology and instinct is that it is our instinct to create another and it is our instinct to destroy that other to take things from them and to not let them take things from us. That's just all of humanity. And to assign that as evil, the thing about it is that guy, I'm not saying that that guy should have done it. I think they should have put him down. I think it was a horrifying thing that he did. But I guarantee you he thought... He didn't go, oh, <laughs> I'm evil and I'm possessed by Beelzebub and now I'm a great, now the blood. <laughs> That's not what he did. For some reason, we don't understand it, but just because we don't understand it doesn't make it metaphysical. We don't yeah, understand yeah, it, but he a... had a reason for doing it. Now, the question becomes, if we assign evil, then what we do is we dismiss any hope of actually solving the problem. Because if it's evil, then we just destroy that and we pass it off. And then the next guy that does it, because there will be a next guy, and he will probably be white, he will do it again and we'll go, oh, that guy's evil. But we didn't do anything from the initial evil to figure out how to help anybody else that might be doing that or thinking about doing it. We didn't do anything about that. What we did was we said, he's evil. He's fucked. And so we don't help anybody else that might be experiencing something that that guy went through. Because that guy must have gone through something. Well, that idea is is the idea of, you know, treating the cancer rather than trying to 
create prevention for the cancer. That, yeah. I mean, that's what you're saying. Well, it's, it's, it's like, a different. There's, it's there's about it's about eating me. healthy and not smoking and staying away from carcinogens yeah. to prevent cancer, rather than getting cancer and then just having chemotherapy therapy destroy the body in yeah. order to kill the cancer. Right. It's just it's thoughtless, and 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 it is a carryover from when this country was a, a religious country. Yeah. It's a carryover. The whole concept of good and evil. The thing about it is. The, the terrorists from 9-11 were absolutely convinced yeah. that what they were doing yeah. was righteous and good and in God's sight. And you know what? They thought we Americans were evil. We were the evil ones, right. And see, this is yeah. the problem with the concept of evil as a, as a concept, is that as soon as you, you go to that easy road of saying, this thing is evil because I've determined that it's evil, and that thing is evil because I've determined that it's evil, eventually... Anything you decide is evil is evil, and there's only one thing to do to evil, which is destroy to burn it. it and destroy it. And that is not a great thing to assign to human beings. No, not to dumb this down, but something that's always bothered me about the phrase evil, mm -hmm. and that you're right, the, the terrorists did not think they were evil. <clears throat> the Nazis didn't think they were evil. Uh, in the X-Men comics... yes. Oh, you know, it, I don't think that gums it down at all because I think the X Men comics are awesome. It's the the dumbest thing I think the X Men comics ever did. Uh oh, <clears throat> was uh, pretty early on. I don't know if it was the it was the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I don't remember what years. I don't know when that started. Um, that it was, was like that was in the nineties. Well, it was at least the eighties. Yeah, that was, was like ninety two. Eighties because it was like when I was. Brotherhood of Evil Mutants was like 1992. No, because it was when the Blob was around. It was the it was the New Mutants or not New Mutants. Um, when Wolverine came around and and Colossus and all that, and they were fighting. Yeah, that's Magneto right. had assembled the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, which was the Blob and of yeah. uh, uh, not Firefly. Um, uh, Jesus, Pyro. Sebastian Shaw was in charge. No, that was oh, the, that, that the was the Hellfire, Hellfire Club. Club. Right. Yeah. See, Hellfire Club is See, a good name right. for bad guys. I, maybe, maybe I'm, uh, I'm because the Hellfire Club thought two. they were doing right, but the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants—that's the kind of name that good guys would assign. All right, so to their enemies, it was. It's not what the bad guys would call themselves. No fucking self-respecting bad guys gonna call themselves. Evil. You are, you are correct. It was, uh, it was founded during the 1960s. There you go. Okay. Uh, they ultimately disbanded in '81. They brought them back. Mm -hmm. Under the leadership of Mystique and led by Toad in the 90s. Okay, yeah. With each additional incarnation, the group abandoned its political ideology and regressed to the, side, the status of hired goons. Yeah. All right, so got it. So, but Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, like, that's... And you're looking at the Wikipedia page I right am. now, and it says Brotherhood of Mutants. Yes. So I they typed removed... In, I typed in Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Yeah, I did Brotherhood of in. Evil Mutants existed. That's in the comics. You yeah, can it see says that. right here. It says the Brotherhood of Mutants, originally known as the Brotherhood of yeah. Evil Mutants. I got it. So you're right. Like, the evil... No one thinks that they're evil. It's it's a word that is assigned by the quote-unquote The people that are guys. harmed by them. the, yeah, other, the yeah. good guys. And everybody thinks they're it's the It's a label that's put on them, it's yeah. A, it, it's it, it it's is a the label. N-word. It's a label that's carried over from highly religious ideology yeah. and a black and white perspective on the world, which when you know when you only live to about thirty years old, yeah. and uh, you know, and 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 you could be put out in the street and stoned to death just for like fucking somebody else's wife. I can understand why 
you know, there was a black and white perspective in the world. You didn't really have a whole lot of time to get any nuance. There wasn't a whole lot of higher education going on then. Yeah. You know, so I get that. But we should be more involved than that. But we really want to hang on to this evil thing. We really want to hang on to good and evil. And the reality is there is no such thing as good and evil. I mean, the thing about it is, and that's, that's, Barack Obama is going to be the best, I hope not, but probably will be the best president of my lifetime. I'm 52 years old. I don't anticipate there's yeah. going to be somebody better yeah. than Barack Obama. And Barack Obama had a lot of gray areas. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, that's the thing. Is I, my biggest this, issue with there his, is this his issue, droning campaign. I mean, that there was... There is this issue of, of what yeah. is... You know, and, and it's unfortunate, but what is what is the recipe to make you the perfect recipe of good, depending on who you are? And there is no perfect recipe. There is no perfect recipe. Right now, when it comes to identity politics, the perfect recipe is the most marginalized and most put upon and most oppressed person is the highest good, which is strangely just like the concept of Mother Teresa, which is if you suffer enough, you help, you will be good rather than evil, which is bullshit. And so I can't say that Donald Trump is evil. I can't say that anything he does is self-serving. Yeah. And 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 then but see that's the thing. That's why it's so easy. If we say Donald Trump is evil, then a, then by proxy, anybody that voted for Donald Trump is evil. And right, because if Skeletor is evil, so is Beastman. Exactly. And yeah. so you know what's so interesting <laughs> about that is, that's how you get civil wars. That's how you get war. And I would say. Mm-hmm. While I don't think it's evil, I think war is the closest thing to that concept as you can get. War, the murder of one another for ideological reasons or for property, is the closest thing I can think of to what I think evil probably is without using the term. And it is the assignment of good and evil labels that causes war. Howling the American Mind. Jonathan Haidt has a a website and a group of people where it's called it's called Free Range Kids. Yeah, things like freerange.com or something like that. And basically, it is his belief that we and this comes from the Howling of the American Mind is that is that by helicopter parenting parenting our children, Mm -hmm. um, we have created an entire group of of people that are unable to handle discomfort and adversity. Right. And and he believes that that is part of sort of the culture we've created today, where we've got the, these iGen, you know, now quasi adults, mm-hmm. you know, pre twenty five year old quasi adults, that cannot handle ideas right. that differ from what they believe. Right. That, that they just they just can't handle that 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 they equate words with violence yeah. and this kind of stuff. And his belief is that this, when they were kids, they weren't allowed any kind of opportunity to learn how to socialize on their own. Well, so are you going to be a helicopter parent? Or are you going to let your kid go out there and just think no, for himself? I want my kid to be a free-range kid because that's where you get the good eggs. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming well, my kid can well shit said. eggs out. I, I'm assuming. I don't well, know. He's turds. only six months old. It'll but, be turds, but yeah. you know, whatever. No, I, this helicopter parent, parenting thing, I, I didn't hear about it until I was writing the, the camp book. Yeah. This is back in 2011. <clears throat> and I was talking to the owner of the camp, and we're just talking about how things have changed from when she was a camper there and then when she was you know, a counselor and then first owned it and how things have changed with the kids and the culture and parents and everything. And she mentioned helicopter parenting. That was the first time that I'd heard that, that term. Yeah. And I, I understand the desire to helicopter parent. 
You want to keep your kids safe. You want to protect them from the ills of the world. I understand that, that desire. And I understood that before I had a kid. Mm-hmm. That said, I've long been, long been a proponent of, of letting kids know that this shit exists and they better get fucking used to it. When I was in college, my buddy Chris, I don't know if he loves this about me, but he got a kick out of it. When I would see babies at the mall or on the street or mm-hmm. you know, wherever the fuck we were, I would slyly give them the finger. Oh, yes. Yeah, exactly. I, we've talked about it, you know, because yeah. it's like the kid needs to know that people are going to flip him, him or her off, mm-hmm. right? I don't want to be a helicopter parent. I want to make sure my kid is safe. But harm is out there and disappointment is there. And even now, he's six months old. And since the beginning, when he starts crying about, you know, like he fucking hates it when we have to change his diaper. He just fucking hates being laid on his back and being fucked with to change his diaper or put him in new clothes or whatever it is. And I say to him, Harry, knock it off. You're fine. We're making your life better right now. Quit your goddamn bitching. I know this isn't what you want to do right now. So yeah, fine babysitting. I'm going to look at Harry. Harry, you live in the United States in 2018 where we are the safest, most equal, most beautiful society that has ever existed in the history of mankind. You are not dying of, of dysentery right, right now. Shut up. Right. That doesn't really play and it doesn't, for babies. it doesn't yeah. resonate yeah. with him because yeah. he's a fucking idiot because he's, he's a six fucking months moron. old. Yeah, yeah. But no, I, <laughs> I, 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 I want to be a free-range parent. I... <laughs> So we've got this. So my nanny, Philip, uh, my blanny, my black nanny. Yeah. Because uh, remember, we talked about how I want. Does she live with you? He does not. Not a nanny. No. Babysitter. Okay, fine. Babysitter. Um, he took a gig that's got him away for six months. He's doing some social media shit with some uh, concert tour thing that's going all over the country. And Sure, it is Facebook for a concert tour. Uh, yeah. Right. And uh, so he hooked us up with a, a good family friend of his. Uh, Violetta, she is like probably my mom's age, early sixties maybe. Okay. She's got uh, like fourteen grandkids. Older black woman is the best uh, babysitter you're ever gonna have in your life. She's awesome in your fucking life. We've had her. So this is the first week. Um, we had her Tuesday, Wednesday. And that's and a generalization and a stereotype, but I stand no, by it. That's fine. So this is the third day we've had her. So there's a bit of breaking her in, you know, just to get the schedule and yeah. you know how we do things, whatever. She's great. We like her. Harry likes her. It was a rough day at the beginning. Yeah. He's like, who the fuck is this lady? Yeah. But now he smiles when he sees her, and when she leaves, he's like, eh, you know, mm-hmm. so, okay. She and I were talking, and she was talking about how, you know, when her kids were kids, when we were kids, mm-hmm. you could go play in the street. You know, you, how many fucking kids, you know, played hockey or Frisbee or baseball or anything Fucking dude, play GI Joe in the dude, street. It's I like rem- car, remember, and you have to move out of the I way. I remember and when, when uh, I remember, and this was in which I think it was Wichita, Kansas. It's like the streets would flood, like because they didn't clean out the gutters, sure. and yeah. the streets streets flood, and it would get so flooded that it was like our entire street was a dirty swimming. It's pool. a dirty swimming pool, and we sure. would fucking go out there and just wade in that shit. Oh my god, dude! Our street was at the bottom of a hill. Okay, up, perfect, and it flooded a yeah, lot. Yeah, it's awesome. We would have, we would literally be able to take. We had canoes. Rafty like, things, We yeah. would take canoes out, and we'd go canoeing up and down See, the street. So you had the money but for canoes. I We had, like, boxes, cardboard boxes we would do that with. Dale's shoes, cardboard boxes. Yeah, whatever yeah. I could find, you know, newspaper. Yeah. Rather can um, you spare a dime. Again, sure. fucking rich Every kid with the canoes. Every time it rains, you know, for, it rains, yeah. pennies from heaven. So, I, I, anyway, so Violetta was telling me that now, uh, you have to have, 
parents from each and this is her experience I don't know if uh-huh. this is a yeah. law she said it's the law in Chicago I don't okay. I don't know if that's true I haven't yeah. looked it up I'm not calling her a liar no but she, she um, she's a professional th- that parents or a guardian babysitter nanny yeah, yeah, yeah. parent whatever from each of the kids family has to be supervising so it's not like Don's kid and David's kid are going out to play. Oh no, you have to have both. And oh, David, yeah, no, actually, and David that, will be there watching that. Them. No, actually both is the Don law. and David that have is to actually be there. The law that is actually that the, is the DCPS, fucking yes. insane. I've read about that. I've read about that. And here's that the thing. is insane. Here's where I th- here's my theory with that because I understand that the the helicopter parenting idea that it's they want to protect their children. I don't think it has anything to do with protecting their children. No, it's no, having I think control it is, over their world. I don't even think it's about having control over the world. I think it's all about them. I think it's that. They're unhappy as Generation X, because that's really what we're talking about, as the yeah. Gen X parents yeah. were unhappy as children, mm-hmm. and they blamed it on their parents. They didn't blame it on the world. They didn't learn how to cope with it. They blamed it on their It was their well, parents' fault. But the world fault. was created by it their was parents. The, it was their parents' fault. And so what they want is to make sure that their children can never blame them in the same right. way. Yes. This is all about the parents. Because they don't, no one wants kids. to be their dad or their mom. No yeah. one wants to be yeah, you know, yeah. And then quite frankly, also, that. it may have something to do with the fact that we live in an age where if your child breaks his leg, you are fucked for life and bankrupt for the next 25 years. Right. So making sure your kid doesn't break his leg is sort of like saving the farm. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know? A friend of mine was telling me that she's got two kids two young boys, uh, five and three or six and four, whatever. And there was like a a loose connection of of people we know who's a cousin of somebody. Anyway, their kid was on a zip line at one of those like Jimboree things. Yeah. And the kid fell. Fucking A. Hit his head. Awesome. Went into a coma. Oh, fuck. Shit went wrong. The kid died. Oh, that's seven not years good. Old. Okay, that's like, rough. That's terrible, right? Like that's no. See, so I'm like, horrible. I'm like, I'm like, all right, he fell. He died. Yeah. but oh, like, oh, God. he's, oh, but he's fine, this, this right? Got like dark, yeah. And that's horrible. And, and right. so she's telling me this through text message, and I'm thinking, holy fuck! Like that is of any other time yeah. before Harry, I would have thought that is horrible and unfortunate. She tells me this now, and I can't help but go, what if fuck, it's Harry? What if it's Harry? Now that doesn't make that kid's death any greater greater or worse or less it's just it's, like and not that I thought it was anything less or worse yeah. before but it's like oh yeah that could happen to my kid I don't want to be a helicopter parent and I don't think that Katie and I are going to be helicopter parents because good. we're aware of it because I will kick your ass I want my kid to know disappointment I want him see, to see I am handle, Uncle Buck yeah the thing about it is if, if I notice that you guys are overprotecting Harry then Harry and I are going to go on a day trip. And the day trip will consist of, as a five-year-old child, me giving him 20 bucks, dropping him off on 75th and Cottage Grove and saying, figure out how to get home, (laughs) motherfucker, and then I'll I'll see you later. I'm going to be at the bar. Find me. That's, you know, like, come on. you got to learn how to live your life. You've got to learn how to navigate. And if you don't learn sometime, you're never going to learn. My biggest fear before I had the kid, and it, it exists today, um is not that my kid is going to come home crying because of disappointment, heartbreak, or being bullied. or whatever. Oh, yeah. so here's a quick story. So oh, yeah. when Katie and I first moved into our apartment, we had, you know, Eddie was still around, and our upstairs neighbors had a dog, Colby. It was a, a collie, border collie or something sure. or other. And they were pals, I guess, and they would play out in the front They're yard dog with pals, each other. Yeah, sniffed ass. But Eddie, <laughs> yeah, but Eddie loves his, or loved his fucking tennis balls and would get kind of 
possessive and obsessive about them. Sure. So one day we're out, and I'm out with the upstairs neighbor whose name I can't remember right now. And Eddie had his ball out there, and Colby comes in, and, and they're playing, and Eddie's got his ball, and he's like trying to play with with me or with the neighbor. But he didn't want to play with the other he dog. Doesn't play with the, Don't you touch Eddie was my no good at the, at the dog parks. Eddie would go. We'd take Eddie to the dog park, and he would find a tennis ball because we would never bring one because he'd get fucking crazy with it. But he would find like an old raggedy ass tennis ball and find the nearest fucking human. And, like, play with me. He wouldn't play with the other dogs. Uh-uh. He wanted to fucking play with the well, humans. Well, that's because the dogs would take possession of his balls. Right. So to speak. And quite literally, yes. yes. Yeah. So Colby was going for the ball, and Eddie got really fucking pissed. Oh, yeah. And Eddie started snipping and biting and being a dick. Mm-hmm. And I let this happen for, like, a minute. Because let that shit play out. Like, let the kids sort it out, right? Yeah. You understand Eddie's a dog, right? Yes. Okay. But you have to let it's you have to child. let the dogs. No, I know. But okay. you have, like even with dogs, like you have they, they might sniff yeah, each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. You gotta let them. Yeah, let them do their thing until it gets ugly and disembowelment happens. Then you stop it. But Eddie, it turned. And I he feel just, the same way be, the kids do. He became yeah. a fucking dick. Yeah. And it was like, okay, this is not gonna solve itself. So I scooped Eddie up, and I brought him back inside. And Katie was home, and I was and I put Eddie like I just dropped him. I was like. I'm not okay with this. He was a fucking dick to Colby. He's. I need. To, we need to ground him from fucking tennis balls. He cannot have tennis balls anymore. I was beside myself, and uh-huh. I'm, I was laughing at myself at the same time. Because, but you were really mad. But I was, because what I don't want is my kid to be the bully. I can handle my kid being disappointed. I can handle my kid being being bullied, because uh-huh. I get that. I can talk about that. I don't. If my kid comes home and he's like, "Oh, I got suspended for, you know, giving Beating a kid a, a swirly." Kid. Yeah. I'm going to go, well, good. My parents did the same thing to me. When I mooned the seventh grade girls' mm-hmm. gym class and the vice president, or the vice president, the, the vice principal called my dad and said, we're going to suspend David. My dad went, do it. And the vice principal instead just gave me an after-school detention where he put me in his office. I had to sit there in his office for half an hour or an hour, whatever the fuck it was. The thing was is that the whole time, that's where the announcement machine was uh-huh. it took everything I had not to get on that thing. oh yeah you know all right Simeon cohort here's Don and David with the six things you should do for the week so on the going off of um, you know encouraging my kid that if he's going to be an asshole to be a real fucking mm-hmm. asshole uh, and, and kill people if he's going to be a killer um, do something good or now do something good this week Positive, yes. Uh, buy your tickets to Night of a Thousand Noogies. Ah. Uh, this is benefiting Gildas Club Chicago. It's Saturday, October 13th at Park West. Go to Gildas, uh, Gildas Chicago, org. Buy your tickets. It's a it's a really great night. Uh, Second City performs, and it's usually funny. I can't promise it. Funny is, you yeah. know, up it to the... It will be funny. It will be yeah. funny. It will be funny. Um, we've got great food. Gino's East is providing food, and it's not just the pizza, their whole, their whole menu. Um, great drink, great fun. Uh, Mike Vinopal is playing that night. Um, and this benefits a really, really great organization. I've talked about it before. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so uh, do Night of a Thousand Noogies. All right, since so your first thing is a promotional piece, mine will be too. Just released a, uh, a micro-pod- micro-podcast called Belief is a Sledgehammer Micro-Podcast. It's every single day. Where I'm basically taking the I believe and the I the belief is a sledgehammer book, and I'm just uh, putting into a podcast form where every day you get five I believes, five things. So uh, it's it takes it's three minutes long, 
So you could subscribe and listen to it. Listen in, to it while you pee. While you pee, whatever you get to do. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not even a car ride. You shut the door and you're done. Yeah, yeah. that's all I'm saying. So Belief is a Sledgehammer Micro Podcast. You can find it on Stitcher. You can find it on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. It's the soundtrack to your soft jerk-off. There you go. It's a soft jerk-off. Yeah, exactly. And it's got great <laughs> Maynard Ferguson music. So that's yeah, cool. right on. It's good. All right, so that's uh, my, my first thing. Right? Yeah, so my second thing is also a do, uh, also a promotion. Oh, God. I don't have a second promotion. Boom. Uh it's do bug house. Oh well, there you go. On November fifth, uh, we're talking about sports. We're talking about civil war, and we're talking about baby boomers. Those are the debate yeah. topics. I don't want to get too into it. I want to because we've got some time to yeah, yeah, keep promoting been, it. Yes. Um, but God, come to bug house. It is such a it's great, such a fun, fun show. show. And we do a pot. We we record it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the podcast. You can listen to it, which is great. It's just as much fun there. But come to the show because you might get to see Danny yell at Don for being too drunk. That's right. And and on, in November you'll get to see David host. I'm gonna host. He's gonna host. It's gonna be the show is is gonna be eighty percent shorter. Uh, that's fair. That's actually a fair. <laughs> that's a fa- you know that's a fair assessment. That is a fair. I'm not going to argue with that assessment. Yes, it probably will be. Um, all right. My second thing is a read. Um, all right. So this is called the Grievance Studies Scandal. Five academics respond. It is on Quillette.com. Let me read what they say. For the past past year. Scholars James Lindsay, Helen Pluckrose, and Peter Bogosian have sent fake papers to various academic journals which they describe as specializing in activism or grievance studies. Their stated mission has been to expose how easy it is to get absurdities and morally fashionable political ideas published as legitimate academic research. To date, their project has been successful. Seven papers have passed through peer review and have been published, including a 3,000-word excerpt of Adolf Hitler's Mein Kampf, rewritten, rewritten in the language of intersectionality theory and published in the Gender Studies Journal Affilia. Oh, my God. Yeah, and so basically they, they punked uh, academia yeah. and basically said that that a lot of this intersectionality and a lot of the the feminism um, and racial studies and identity politics they believe a lot of the the research and a lot of the writing is is horseshit so what they did is started writing horseshit one of my favorite ones that they wrote was an entire article studying the rape culture of dog parks and how watching dogs fuck in the park encourages rape culture and wow. they write it as an academic piece and they're coming with these this the most ridiculous idea they can come up with and then writing it very seriously. And this shit's getting published by major academic journals and colleges. And it really hmm. is exposing that they're willing to print fucking anything that supports their very, very bent ideology. Interesting. And so I highly recommend you read it. It's very funny. And what I like about this piece specifically in Quillette is it's five academics who are critical or not of this particular exercise, and they kind of talk about how we got here. Okay. It's pretty interesting. I will say that about the rape culture dog parks, Eddie never took part in the rape culture. Well, I, I take that back. He could arguably, you could arguably say that he was assaulting or being too forward with his tennis balls on the on yeah. The people. Yeah, yeah. He never raped a dog. No consent with the tennis balls. Yeah. So he was putting his balls on people. And a lot of people threw the balls for him, but well, they may not have wanted to. Unless he's a Republican, he'll never be a Supreme Court justice. He was not a Republican. All right, that's good. I guarantee you. Yeah. All right, so my last thing, it's another do. 
It's another promotion. Oh, Jesus. You just filled up the promo. Yeah. Because these things are important. All right. Fair enough. And we'll talk more. But we have time to you know, keep talking about this in, in other podcasts. But do buy your tickets to Literate Apes, Literate Ape Press's first event, Books, Books and, and Booze, Booze, on Monday, November 12th. Uh, we have, what, five, six? We have six writers, six, writers. six books, six... Uh, we've got... Basically, the, here's the gist, is we've got six writers, all uh, that three of us that are under the Literate Press and three that are just writers of Literate Ape mm-hmm. um, and that have books. And uh, each uh, book has been paired with a cocktail or drink or beer of some kind, and uh, you'll get a flight. So for your $20 ticket price, you get a flight of those different drinks, and then each author will come up and explain the why, history why of the that, drink. And why that drink is connected yeah, to the yeah, story. Yeah. That, or this, and then, and yeah. then we will have a reader that will do an excerpt, like five, seven-minute excerpt mm-hmm. from the book. Mm-hmm. So we'll do that, and you, so you're going to get drunk, you're going to listen to the great prose read, and then afterwards you're going to hang out with the authors and drink some more and uh, maybe buy some books. And not to take away from the other books, but this night will also be the premiere. Yes, it will be. I think my book's the only one that's actually It's the only one premiering. The rest of them have all been out, um, yeah. My book, uh, The Last DJ, The Life and Times of 20-something Oldies Disc Jockey. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll be premiering. And all the books are for sale. You get yep. 50% off the books. You get we'll signed books. Autograph them. Yeah. Um, we're going to... Well, the authors are going to lose money on this shit. Yeah, but it's going to be funny but shit. But you know what? Fuck it. Read our books. Yeah. It's, it's going yeah, it, to be a It's going to be a really fun. fun. It's going to yeah. be a great, in terms of a literary event, this isn't a book reading. This is a book reading and drinking. Yeah. And there's something very nice because we're in the Haymarket Pub and Brewery drinking and writing theater. Right. So we're going to be drinking and we're promoting writing. It's great. All right. Well, my third thing is not uh, at all a promotion of any kind. Um, I want you to watch Joe Rogan Triggered on Netflix. Just dropped yesterday. I'm doing that tonight as I pull baby clothes. Yeah, it is super laundry. funny. Yep. Um, I'm a big fan of Joe Rogan. I know he's, the, the, you know, he, I'm, I'm not, a, the thing I'm not a fan of is when he talks to like wrestling guys on his podcast. <sighs> I, don't a, I don't give a shit about that. Yeah. But he has some really interesting people on there and he's got a very interesting perspective on the world. A lot of people think he's libertarian, but he's not. Um, if you listen to enough of What's him, you understand. What's wrong with being libertarian? Well, I'm just, I'm just, a lot of people think he's libertarian, which yeah. is sort of like, libertarian is sort of like a failed Republican. Libertarian, the problem with libertarianism given up. is that 50% of libertarianism disagrees with 50% of libertarianism. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. And you've got, and it, there is no medium. No. It's all extremes. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. all extremes. But, uh, but he is, he is definitely a leftist with, with reasonable. Yeah. Uh, he's a smart dude. Yeah. yeah, he's a very smart guy. And he's a great stand-up guy. But comic. this is a really, really funny, really funny. He's the only person I've ever seen at this point make the concept of Harvey Weinstein funny. And I mean it's funny. <laughs> it is a really funny yeah. thing. I'm looking it's got at a lot of bits tonight, yeah. and I enjoyed it very much. So I highly recommend Netflix Joe Rogan Triggered. And that, my friends. That's the show. And one final promotion. Do it. Thanks for listening. Yes. Make sure to uh, to comment and rate and share and all that other stuff that you got to do to to tell your friends you like this thing and or that you hate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. We don't give a shit. Just spread it. The, the only the, this thing. The only reason we're not just writing on our on our like notebooks and sharing it with each other like a circle jerk is because we have more potential audience by putting it online. But the only way we have more audience is if you read it, and then share it with somebody. Say, oh, yeah. this was an interesting read, or I really like this digital magazine, or I really like these books, or this podcast is is really fun. 
That's the only way this works. Yeah. That's how the business model works. So yeah. we need your help to do that. So thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Unless, you know, of course, you have to go back to last week's episode and listen to that, then we'll talk to you in a few minutes. There you go. This has been the Literate Apecast. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and on literateape.com slash podcasts. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Locomotive. You can catch them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com. 